a little dull. <laughs> I think a lot of gunk in there. <laughs> really, can you imagine all of the yuck, yucky emotions, feelings, judgments, all that stuff in there? Of course, then the good intentions. We could pave the road to hell with these. <laughs> um, before we do the ritual, a couple of things uh, I want to speak a little about uh, New Year's and impermanence. But I also want to share some things with you first. Little show and tell. Uh, this is the December issue of Self magazine. I've always liked that. that. And uh, this month, Self has a cover story on your spiritual life. And one of the one of the articles is why is Buddhism so hip? <laughs> and if you read the article, you realize you find out that the reason Buddhism is so hip is because so many hip people are into Buddhism, <laughs> which is sort of tautological, you know. I mean, it's like it's hip because it's hip. <laughs> uh, the other thing, uh, my favorite mailing of the year came from. Deepak Chopra. I don't know how he got my address, but um, it was a mailing uh, of a little packet of things, and on the envelope it says, find your higher self, your true self, a blissful self of infinite peace and eternal happiness, yours for 30 days free. <laughs> I swear. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was really uh, wonderfully indicative of our time and our culture, in Harper's Magazine they had a list of uh, trademarked brand names and phrases that have recently been registered or are pending with the U.S. Patent Office. Um, these are uh, applications for names having to do with the millennium. So Maiden Form has patented the name Millennial Undergarments. <laughs> Mars Incorporated has patented the name the official chocolate of the new millennium. <laughs> but to cap it all, Miller Brewing Company oh, yeah. has patented the name official sponsor of the millennium. Now that is chutzpah. <laughs> one of my favorite uh, uh, things that, one of the favorite, the best things that happened to me this year culturally was to discover a poet named Liesl Mueller, who I highly recommend if you haven't discovered her. Uh, there's a book out called Alive Together, which is full of some of the most wonderful poetry I've read in years. Um, she won a Pulitzer two years ago, I think. And this is the title poem, Alive Together. 
Speaking of marvels, I am alive together with you. When I might have been alive with anyone under the sun, when I might have been Abelard's woman, or the whore of a Renaissance pope, or a peasant wife with not enough food and not enough love, with my children dead of the plague, I might have slept in an alcove next to the man with the golden nose who poked it into the business of stars, or sewn a starry flag for a general with wooden teeth. I might have been the exemplary Pocahontas, or a woman without a name weeping in master's bed for my husband, exchanged for a mule, my daughter lost in a drunken bed. I might have been stretched on a totem pole to appease a vindictive god, or left a useless girl child to die on a cliff. I like to think I might have been Mary Shelley, in love, love with a wrong-headed angel, or Mary's friend. And I might have been you. This poem is endless. The odds against us are endless. Our chances of being alive together statistically non-existent. Still, we have made it. Alive in a time when rationalists in square hats and hatless Jehovah's Witnesses agree it is almost over. Alive with our lively children who, but for endless ifs, might have missed out on being alive together with marvels and follies and longings and lies and wishes and error and humor and mercy and journeys and voices and faces and colors and summers and mornings and knowledge and, and tears and chance. She's a beautiful, beautiful poet. So in two days, we celebrate the new year. Uh, our culture's way of marking time, marking change. We all switch calendars, start to get used to writing a new date on our checkbooks. We should remember, however, that uh, New Year's is a completely human invention. This particular moment that we say we are starting a new year something brand new, it has nothing to do with anything in the outside world. Um, it would actually be more appropriate to celebrate New Year on the winter solstice, which is a celestial New Year of sorts. The northern hemisphere is farthest away from the sun in its orbit, and then on that, in that very moment or that very... Uh, day begins to grow a little closer again to the sun in its orbit, we hope. <laughs> and there's, it's not an accident that so many of the world's religions have scheduled big festivals around this particular time with lots of lights, you know, and fires and tales of rebirth because indeed it is the time of rebirth and the real beginning of, of a new cycle. And it's uh, good to do ritual at this time, a good way of, of communities to get together and honor the passage of time. And it's almost the year 2000. There's lots of psychological resonance, lots of portent building with the coming of that date with three zeros in it. We all get very nervous for some reason. 
the actual date uh, that we celebrate is 1998 we'll be celebrating but uh, according to the Old Testament those who calculate the beginning of creation till now uh, it's something like five four thousand five hundred something from the beginning of creation till now four thousand five hundred something and uh, if you ask an astrophysicist we're celebrating 15 billion to 20 billion something <laughs> give or take a few billion <laughs> and if you ask the Buddha he would say there's no idea we can have no idea of what year we're celebrating <laughs> universes and world systems rise and fall and uh, it's completely incalculable coteries of eons have passed since it all began if it if it indeed began at any particular point and if you asked the Buddha he'd probably say it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> that what really matters is to recognize that change is going on at every moment and indeed Vipassana meditation, mindfulness meditation. It's like when you're sitting, every moment is a new year. It's all fresh. It's all letting go of the last moment and moving into the present moment. The Buddha said there were three characteristics of life. Dukkha, Anicca, and Anatta. Dukkha being the unsatisfactory quality of life. Anicca being impermanence, the fact that everything is changing. And anatta being the fact that there is no ultimately existing self behind, within this whole flow. And really the key to all three of those is anicca, impermanence. The reason things are unsatisfactory is because you can't stop it. You can't, you, you may have moments of satisfaction, but they don't last. Life is a little bit like having a Chinese dinner, you know. It, a half hour later, you're hungry again. That is the condition that keeps us forever in, dissatisfied, impermanence. And the fact of impermanence, the fact that everything is continually changing, is also the reason that there is no self-existing thing. Nothing that lasts. Nothing that has an ultimate selfhood to it. Everything is in process. Everything is being continually transformed into something else. That to the Buddha was the important thing. And important indeed to realize it happening within us not just out there but within us because when we recognize impermanence inside of us that we can't hold on to a moment sense impression or a thought or a, a feeling or, or any any of it a, a, a body the body is continually changing we can't hold on to any of it then we can start to live from that place of impermanence and 
and we live more in harmony with the way things are. The minute we try to stop things or hold on to things, we suffer. Someone said once suffering is rope burn, you know, it's <laughs> trying to hold on. I just uh, had an interview with, with Sokni Rinpoche, uh, the Tibetan teacher who's been teaching here now a couple of years, wonderful young Tibetan Lama. And he said that he's noticed that uh, we Americans have a real problem, and it's a real problem. That everything is so real to us. Our things are real, our possessions are real, our personalities are real, our thoughts are real, the world is completely real. Everything is so real. He said, what we need is to, a way to shatter that. And maybe that's why we, we seek uh, Buddhist meditation to see that it isn't quite so real. Maybe we shouldn't be saying to each other, get real. We should be saying, get unreal. <laughs> the Buddha said, thus shall you see this life, a star at dawn, a flash of lightning in a summer storm, a ripple in a stream, a flickering candle flame, an echo and a dream. Evanescent. Everything is evanescent. You can't hold on to a single moment's impression. New Year's is a great time, I think, to reflect on change. Of course, when we, we, we reflect on it, we make resolutions and we get rid of the old. And, and as we have come through history to this point of late 20th century, we have a great perspective. We've learned so much in just the last hundred years about the changes, the gross changes that happen in the world. A few years ago, uh, the astronomers were anxiously watching Jupiter as this great comet was going to crash into the planet. And I, uh, I had this fantasy that what if there was intelligent life on Jupiter and they were watching the Earth and they'd been watching the Earth for a few billion years? What would they have seen? taking place here. First of all, they would have seen these uh, scientists on Jupiter, I call them juppies. Uh, they would have seen just a, a planet of water, water covering the entire surface. And then they would have started to see these little blobs of land kind of erupting and floating around on this water. About 700 million years ago, all these land blobs sort of floated together and stuck together in one big, huge continent. It was all one big, huge, big brown spot on the Earth. And then it started breaking up and it was floating around a lot at that time, you know, and it all floated away and into other assemblages of continents. 
And then about 650 million years ago, you know, that, that's, that's when the, the continents all broke up and, and, and floated away. About 65 million years ago, a big comet crashed into Earth. And you, they could see that, and they could see the, the air and the atmosphere around the Earth became cloudy for a couple hundred years. And then about 100 million years ago, they started to notice all this white stuff on the ends of the Earth kind of creeping in towards the middle, and then they recede back to the top and bottom of the Earth, and then they creep back in towards the middle, all this white stuff, and then back out to the ends of the Earth again. The Ice Age is happening. All of those events that I mentioned were major events in the evolution of life. <laughs> Gave great impetus to big spurts of evolution, whole masses of new species arising. Because indeed we dance with the elements, you know. We, we are in, in dependent co-arising with all of the elements. So the Juppy scientists are watching the Earth, and then about just recently, you know, very, very recently, like about a blink of an eye in geologic time, about a hundred years ago, they start seeing little pieces of the Earth start flying off and falling back again, you know, flying off, falling back again. And more and more of them fly off and fall back again. And then there's all these explosions. They see explosions, a couple really big explosions. And pieces of the Earth start flying off and staying out. You know, it's sort of like the Earth coming apart in some way. And at the same time, there's a kind of a haze growing over the Earth. They must think that something quite unique is happening down here at this particular moment. And indeed, it may be. And it may be us. It seems to be us. But that kind of overview that we have, you know, from our marvelous understanding that we have so recently acquired of all of the changes that life has gone through in the last billion, few billion years that the planet Earth has been here in this particular universe system. I read a book recently called The Beak of the Finch, where these people went down and studied Darwin's finches, and they actually could see evolution happen. happen. Darwin said you could never see evolution, it was too slow. You could only see evidence of it, but they actually went down and they measured the beaks of these finches. As the weather changed, as drier years came and wetter years came, the, fin the finches' beaks would actually begin to grow and change so that you could actually see their evolution in their dance with the elements. Everything is in jittery motion. Transformation. We're all spinning eastward on the Earth's axis at 1,000 miles an hour. The Earth is spinning through its solar orbit at 66,000 miles an hour. Our solar system is orbiting through the Milky Way galaxy at the rate of a half a million miles per hour. The Milky Way galaxy 
part of the Virgo cluster, is speeding at nearly a million miles an hour towards some point in interstellar space known as the Great Attractor. And everything attracted to that Great Attractor is traveling at the speed of 800,000 miles an hour toward another supercluster of galaxies called the Shapely Attractor. <laughs> this is uh, astrophysicists' uh, calculations. All of that is hap all of that speed. I mean, try to stop the world. Try to stop anything. Isn't that, a, I mean, it, it's just uh, astounding to think of that uh, kind of movement going on <laughs> and that we're part of it. <coughs> In just this century, we have discovered also that Everything is in motion. We've looked inside of matter and realized that nothing is really solid at the base of it. The, the Buddha and his disciples figured that out 2,500 years ago by looking inward. And now we have discovered, discovered it by looking through microscopes and you know, laser photo, taking laser photographs of subatomic events which the physicists say happen millions of times in a second. Things are changing so fast that you can't even call it matter anymore. You have to call it matter energy, matter slash energy. There is nothing solid anywhere. Everything is in constant transformation. My first meditation practice was with uh, S.N. Goenka, a teacher in India. And I studied with him and I used his, the technique that he teaches for a number of years. And his technique is uh, to focus on physical sensations in the body. And at first, uh, you use a scan, a body scan. At first, you feel very gross kinds of sensations as you scan your mind and feel all the parts of your body. And the more concentration you get and the more mindfulness develops, the more you start to see that there is absolutely no solidity at all in the body. And you, began to ex you begin to experience this constant minuscule transformation that is taking place in every single part of your body at all times. All the solidity starts to drop away. And as a result of that practice, you start to notice very closely the fact that everything is continually changing and you can't hold on to anything. It's a very, uh, it's a very unique and kind of backdoor kind of way of coming to this radical understanding of the way the world is. Thich Nhat Hanh, in one of his books, says, we should learn to appreciate impermanence and the fact that everything is changing. He says, if it wasn't for impermanence, there would be no life. The essence of life is change. Everything would just be solid, 
still dull and you know there'd be no movement at all life depends on change if you look around or even if you actually just close your eyes for a minute see if you can notice that there is not one moment of experience that you can hold on to that it just keeps flowing the phenomenon the changing impressions my voice whatever you're feeling it's just a continual flow of phenomena You have no choice but to let go. That's all you can do. That's one of the great practices, is to sit with impermanence and to notice impermanence. It both relieves us of what we think is our solid discomfort and pain, knowing, seeing that it too will pass, and it can relieve us of our desire, knowing that even if we get what we desire, we can't hold on to it. Where are all the wonderful experiences that you planned for this last year now? Poof, off, gone into history, into the space, into the ozone. Isn't it amazing how how much effort you will put into having an experience and yet realizing that it will be it will vanish there are people you know planning for the year 2000 that midnight 1999 making vast plans there uh, the big thing is to get on a cruise ship and cross over the dateline so you can celebrate twice you know <laughs> but going to great extremes to have this experience that will be <gasps> that's because we continually get caught in this idea that happiness is going to be in the next experience rather than settling back and letting things flow without quite so much grasping and holding on and desiring. Impermanence is really the key. So, we're going to celebrate impermanence <coughs> and appreciate impermanence and recognize that the fact of impermanence actually gives us a chance to change. We don't know how much room we have to change in this sort of co-arising, highly conditioned experience we call life. But it seems like we have some room to move and change and some kind of freedom. So here at this moment of switching from one year to the next, we are going to see if we can make the intention to move things out that get in our way, that make us suffer that make those around us suffer and move into another kind of more easy and peaceful space. Make good intentions. 
So here they are. I, I forgot to tell you no proper names, please, but I'll, I'll just skip over them as we go. I mean, some people do put down they want to get rid of close relatives, you know, I mean. It, <laughs> I'm going to randomly read a few of these. Uh, If people wrote names, I will leave out the names. Unless they want to yell out their name after I've read it. Just, this could be a mass confession, you know. A because it is a, a bit of a confession, a communal confession that we're doing here. Let go of all fears. Create with love as the guide by my side. Fulfill dreams, goals, and desires by way of the first and second. Oh, okay. Fulfill dreams, goals, and desires by way of letting go of all fears. Almost got caught there. <laughs> Toss out frustration, children not listening. And something uh, husbands, <laughs> husbands, something traits, bad traits, probably. Maybe it's judgment that she's, she she wants to throw out her judgment of her husband's bad traits. I bet, I bet that's what it is. Bring in peace, acceptance, joy. Find joy in every day. As a mom, appreciation for simple pleasures, as sitting under a tree with children. Mm, adoration for husband. That's nice, very nice. I want to get rid of procrastination and making unnecessary judgments. Bring in more patience. Bring in more patience and pursuit of my passions. Bring in more patience in pursuit of my passions would work, but of and pursuit of my passions, well, anyway. Good luck with your pursuit of your passions. I mean, I, I do wish you luck. I'm not judging your, your uh, <laughs> just, just sort of giving them a Buddhist twist here. More humor, appreciation, smooth out, smooth out jarrings, more walks, envy. When my essence leaves, I am so... Something. <laughs> I think all of you should resolve to improve your penmanship. <laughs> Letting go of the anger around proper name. Uh, feeling, healing around my Catholic upbringing. I want to put it into proper perspective. Getting rid of limiting myself in my sensuality. Well, we're not monastics here, so I guess that'll pass. We'll pass that one. We're Marin Buddhists, so that's okay. I would... I would like to lose judgments. 
these are the wrong friends for me. I think that's a, a, the voice in the head. I would like to lose all fears and worries about money and possessions, purge my being of all festering resentments that I am aware of and that I am not aware of, develop cosmic perspective and therefore humor. <laughs> the bigger the perspective, the more humor, almost always. Get some of you people who put them in early down at the bottom. Two or three things to get rid of. Anxious behavior in the car. Why doesn't that car, line of cars, move over, move quicker? Frustration over being single and envy over coupled people. And all the coupled people are envious. <laughs> Getting upset with small matters. We'd like to meditate on a daily basis. We'd like to do more generous acts of charity. Get rid of bad influences in my life, i.e. people. <laughs> That's all it says. <laughs> there it is. Let go, exhale. I can't, I can't uh, read it. Get rid of my anger at the world for having too many people. This is a theme. Clinging to projects past their point of usefulness. Would like to have nothing, really. Really, less of everything. Get rid of fear of my back deteriorating and causing pain. And fear of not having enough money. Bring eating organic, develop a daily meditation, exercise every day, be more willing to share thoughts and feelings with others. Oh. My insecurities about being by myself. My short temper with my son. Get over my fear of making my business work. Would like to bring in forgiveness for myself when I don't act or react in a positive way. More knowledge for raising my son in a positive spirit. I would like to quit worrying about my status in so-and-so's family. I would like to wipe the slate clean and start a new relationship with my Niece, go in my studio every day and connect with a creative flow. We are all the same person, you know. When you, when you, the, the thing about these, uh, these rituals is that you really realize how common our hindrances are and our wishes for ourselves are.
get rid of fear over what will happen to my son. My daughter is somewhere in Europe at this moment. I don't know where. <laughs> somewhere between Barcelona and Paris. Uh, but I'm not worrying. <laughs> Trying not to worry. Things I want to bring in, peace of mind and serenity over my son, focus and increased practice of meditation. Increased practice of meditation. If you can make any priority in your life in 1998, it really, it just, I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you how much difference it makes to get up in the morning and set the tone of, make, set the tone of your day and make the priorities of your day to, to have that kind of settledness or that connection with <coughs> your breath, with the planet, with your deepest nature before you go out and try to accomplish all your goals. It really makes such a difference. It's, it's so much more, your life is so much more richer, no matter how much you accomplish in the day. It depends on how you accomplish it and how you feel as you're accomplishing it. But that's, the, that's really... I have a slim body by March 1998. <laughs> dissolve jealous feelings replaced with unconditional love. Have the bank dissolve financial situation. <laughs> you know, there is one, one caveat, one cautionary word about, you know, New Year's resolutions is that, uh, that idealism, you know, we set these very idealistic goals for ourselves, and then we get very frustrated when we don't fulfill them and then, you know, we just get rid of all the vows and, uh, you know yourself, you know, at this point, so you want to be careful not to get, we, 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 we still have this, we live under this illusion that we can really recreate ourselves, you know. I mean, that's, that's a, 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 one of the great, I think, misconceptions of the new age, is that we can get a whole new personality, you know, or a whole new temperament. But almost everybody I know who has been meditating for 20, 30 years, much to our chagrin, we will have to admit that it doesn't change all that much. We learn how to relate to it in a different way. Maybe we don't take it so personally, but we don't you know, we don't completely transform and become beings of pure light. We can try, but... Okay, uh, just a couple more, and then we will send them, send them off, wishes and uh, hindrances together. Things I want to bring into my life, a home closer to Spirit Rock, the ability to speak Spanish, more time spent at home, and ozone, an ozonator for my hot tub. Now there's, there's a wish for you, there's a wish for you. Two more, two more.
Okay, two more. To get rid of the fear and insecurity that make it difficult for me to stand up for myself and my beliefs. Self-destructive habits, specifically coffee and alcohol, and compulsive busyness. Oh, yeah. Coffee and alcohol and compulsive busyness. There it is. Get rid of. Man, what would happen if, if we all stopped drinking coffee? Aside from the fact that the economies of uh, several South American nations would collapse. Uh, I, I once had this idea that, you know, like OPEC, all the OPEC nations got together uh, because they knew that the industrialized world lived on this black, you know, liquid that they... Well, there's this other black liquid that pours up from different countries. And if they got, to, if the coffee and tea growers of the world got together, uh, and formed an organization, uh, what would I called it something, uh, CAFIX, <laughs> the coffee and tea grow, anyway, it, it, you know, either we pay more or all we'd have to be drinking would be, all we'd have would be CAFIX, and, uh, you know, without coffee and tea, the industrialized world would really collapse, it would, you know, nobody would be able to work the way they work. To bring in consistent yoga meditation practice, a lover that really loves me. Oh, may may we all have someone who really loves us. Dispense with feeling like a victim, living with too much to do, or the attitude of too much to do. Cultivate a different job, different attitude. Learn how to cope better with life. More trust in myself and capabilities. So be it. May it all come true for all of us. Even your hot tub ozonator, ozonator, whatever it is. <laughs> now, I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go out here to the side, right, actually right back here, and we've built a little fire, and I'm going to burn them all. You can either watch by the window or um, maybe uh, if you want, you can come out. Uh, but then let's come back and we'll do a uh, loving-kindness meditation before we leave. Okay? You know, it might be nice to, uh, if you'd like, uh, to sing a little old Lang Syne, maybe just... <laughs>
The fire has purified us. All that you wish to get rid of and all that you wish to have in your life will be accomplished. So before we sit metta, I'll, I'll do one more poem of Liesl Mueller's. Why We Tell Stories is the title of the poem. Because we used to have leaves, and on damp days our muscles feel a tug, painful now from when roots pulled us into the ground. And because our children believe they can fly, an instinct retained from when the bones in our arms were shaped like zithers and broke neatly under their feathers. And because before we had lungs, we knew how far it was to the bottom as we floated open-eyed like painted scarves through the scenery of dreams and because we awakened and learned to speak. We sat by the fire in our caves and because we were poor, we made up a tale about a treasure mountain that would open only for us. And because we were always defeated, we invented impossible riddles only we could solve, monsters only we could kill, mates who could love no one else. And because we had survived, sisters and brothers, daughters and sons, we discovered bones that rose from the dark earth and sang as white birds in the trees. Why do we tell stories? Because the story of our life becomes our life. Because each of us tells the same story, but tells it differently. And none of it and none of us tells it the same way twice. Because grandmothers looking like spiders want to enchant the children. And grandfathers need to convince us that what happened, happened because of them. And though we listen only haphazardly, with one ear, we will always begin our story with the words, and then... So let's just sit for a few minutes.
with a sense of all of the human pain and desire and dignity, really, that went into that fire. the understanding that we really do tell the same story. We share the same story. And so we wish ourselves and all of those around us the same loving-kindness, tenderness, We honor ourselves for our basic dignity and desire to awaken. May all beings find wisdom. May all beings find peace. May all beings find ease with themselves 
and with the world. May all beings live with freedom and lightness of heart. Bhavatu sabe mangalam Bhavatu sabe mangalam Bhavatu sabe mangalam Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May all beings be happy. So be it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.